Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Take the privilege to be here and all those that have made the effort. I'm going to begin reading at verse number one and... Uh, We'll just read the 13 verses of this chapter and trust you'll pray. I want to give just what God's give us and then we'll be through. I do want to announce that we're going to have a cemetery meeting just immediately following the service. We don't think it'll take very long. But we do have uh, decoration next week, so we need to get that done. And it was scheduled for last week, but the revival kind of took the place of that. So, uh, And David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any in the of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him. And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, The son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David. He fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself. And said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him. Thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat, but Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray earnestly for the unction to share what you've shared with us. Be be clear with your voice, Father, and Lord, speak loud. Every heart here, needs to hear. May every soul be moved, challenged, 
by this truth. We thank you for what you're doing and pray earnestly, God, that you would help us in doing it. We confess no strength but thine. Be merciful unto us, we pray. As we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, this is a this is a story of great grace. Again, I, as I was preparing for one of the messages last week, and um, the Holy Spirit had kind of touched my heart concerning such grace as was shown to this son of Jonathan, the son of Saul. Um, as I was trying to prepare for that message, it, the message itself got bigger than than the time we had, and. As I sought God, he began to show me that uh, he didn't intend for this one to go in that message at a different purpose. And I'm grateful for his direction in those things. And let me say this, that God God intends this for you today. Um, typically or normally, I would uh, have shared that, but God was clear that he wanted you to hear this today, this body, this people. And so I want to be faithful to God in doing it, so pray for me. In context, Mephibosheth was the enemy of David. Um, He knew that. And it's the very reason that the nurse of that five-year-old Mephibosheth, now he wasn't five-year-old at this point, but the five-year-old Mephibosheth, who was the son of Jonathan, the son of King Saul, when they received news that day that both Saul and Jonathan were dead, the nurse grabbed up the child and ran. Any time that a kingdom is losing power and another king is taking its place, you can read throughout all the scripture, primarily what took place in most of them was the incoming king destroyed all the descendants of the previous because they still expected they had the right to the kingdom and they would constantly, continuously be rebelling and trying to take back what previously was theirs. Now, God had taken the kingdom from Saul And God had given it unto David, so it wasn't Saul's any longer. Both Saul and Saul's son, Jonathan, were now dead. The nurse recognized the dilemma, recognized the danger of this situation, and she grabbed the child. Now, I've no doubt in my heart that David would have been merciful to the son of Jonathan even when he was five years old. But she hauled him off before David even knew he existed, took him down into an obscure place that nobody knew of they joined themselves into a local house there and in Lodabar the king's heir Saul's heir was raised the Bible said when they ran away that um, she fell or fell with him or he fell for sure and the scripture said that both of his legs were damaged to the point that he was a cripple I don't even believe this fellow could walk with crutches, right? I believe both of his ankles had been destroyed in the fall and that he simply was a cripple. There was nothing to be done for it in that day. He might have fixed it today, but then it was a hopeless case. This young man was a cripple. Now, all of that you need to understand as we recognize what happens next. In verse number 9 of Second Samuel, you'll find that Saul or King David had defeated all of his enemies. Everybody that was once an enemy to Israel, 
David and his army had gone and had either defeated them or brought them under subjection and all of his enemies had become his servants or dead. And we find David at a place where he was uh, kind of at rest for a moment at least and uh, it occurred to him that he wanted to know if there was anybody left from the house of Saul. Now, what you'll read after this when you read about Solomon and you read about all of the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel, you'll find that they executed anybody that was previously an heir to the throne. That was how they did it. Good, bad, or indifferent, it's what happened. But David said, uh, he said, is there anybody left? I read a, a great deal of First Samuel and Second Samuel the last few days and uh, just trying to understand where David's heart was. And um, the Bible said that David was a man after God's own heart. And a lot of that I see reading First and Second Samuel. You can see that. At least two times, David had the opportunity to get rid of Saul. Saul certainly was trying to get rid of him. Saul was doing everything he possibly could to find David and kill him. There was no question about it. Saul was possessed with this thought. And more than one time, God delivered Saul into the hands of David. One time was in a cave. David and his men were hiding in the back of the cave, and Saul came in to get out of the sun and fell asleep. And the, Bible ser- the Bible said that David's servants told David, said, said, now you got your chance. God's delivered the enemy right here. All we got to do is take him. And... Uh, David said, I'll not put a hand on the Lord's anointing. I thought to myself, I don't know if I could do that. But David said, I'll not touch the man that God put in the throne. He said, if God wants him dead, God will have to do it. I ain't going to be king until God deals with Saul. And I thought, my goodness, what a heart. What a heart. This man chased David all over the countryside. David had experienced such hardship. And you can read about it yourself. He experienced such such struggle and, and torment and hardship and frustration and all of these things. And you'd think, well, I mean, most of us would have thought when, when our enemy's right there asleep, God placed him literally in our hands that we'd just take his life. No, not David. There was another time that Saul came and camped right down below him. David servant said here he is again as a matter of fact one of David's servants said uh, I'll go with you down there David said I I want to sneak down there and they did they snuck down there and there Saul was again had his spear right beside him and his water bottle and he was just laying kind of in a trench in a ditch sleeping and all of Saul's people around him and these two men snuck right in the middle of every one of them not one of them opened their eyes David's servant said, uh, he said, I'll do it. He said, let me do it. He said, I'll take my spear, and he said, I'll stick him to the ground, and it won't take twice. Saul said, no. We will not touch the Lord's anointing. My heart was moved by his. You want to know why God said that David had a heart. God was, that, that David was a man that was after God's own heart. 
because David showed mercy where none was due. Now, let me preach. David had seen the success of the power of God behind him and they had brought to all of his enemies that was around Israel. David had expanded his borders. He had redrew the lines. He had taken what was theirs and he had brought under subjection all the enemies of Israel at that point. And David was, uh, he was pretty, pretty happy. And it occurred to him that he wanted to know if there was anybody from the house of Saul that he could show kindness to. Now, everybody knew how mean Saul had been to David. And for David to bring something up like this, it was a bit suspicious. They, a lot of them likely thought that what, what David was going to do was find out if there was any existing heirs to the previous throne and he'd make certain that they got dealt with. But what they didn't realize was that David was merciful even with Saul. And I want to I want to base the message this morning. I know it's starting slow, but I want to base the message this morning on verse number three. They called for a sermon. David asked his people. He said, "Is is there anybody left from the house of Saul that I may show him kindness?" And somebody said, "Well, Saul's got a servant that's still alive." So they called Ziba, and he came in there and. David asked him, he said, is there any man left from the house of Saul, verse number three, that I may show to him the kindness of God? I want you to to leave with that that thought this morning. Is the kindness of God. And as we look at the parallel, the analogy between what David did to this Mephibosheth, a man, a young man, old enough to have one of his own children. He had a child of his own by this point. I want you to see the mercy and the grace of David toward Mephibosheth. And I want you to see what David said to them. He said, this is the kindness of God. <laughs> Boy, he's been good to us. You say, well, who is Mephibosheth? Well, that's me. Let's see if we can show that. The grace of David in verses 3 and 4 was clear. What he wanted to do was to show kindness to somebody that didn't deserve it. And he made it clear. He said, this is the kindness of God. I'd like to say to you this morning that regardless of how you sit, Regardless of what position you're in, you may be the enemy of God this morning. But I want you to know about his kindness toward you. I want you to know that he loves you even though you don't love him. He cares for your soul and has done everything possible to show you kindness. Oh, the kindness and love of God. (laughs) I love that old song at Calvary. Where it says, oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. (laughs) The kindness of God, you see, has been bestowed upon this wicked world. Every day, friend, listen to me. The sun raises up. You can bet your 
last minute that that's kindness of God. That is the mercy of God upon an unloving and undeserving wicked generation that has turned their backs on God. And yet what we find is the kindness of God still exhibited day after day as men and women go on breathing. And the mercies of God proven over and over. You say, preacher, I don't get it. Let me tell you something. You didn't deserve to be loved and I didn't either. We had no right to what I, let me say something. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. You may not understand that, but according to the apostle Paul, it's a truth. Now, I don't understand my inheritance. I, I'm a babe in Christ as pertains to what all is coming to me, but I am an heir to, of God and a joint heir with Christ. You say, how in the world did a nobody from the middle of Tennessee come to know the king of all glory? I reckon he was just kind. Ain't nothing else I can say about it, Paul, but you got in because he loved you regardless of whether you loved him. Let's look at this, and I'll go as quickly as I can. Number one, I see the kindness of God in what David did for Mephibosheth by going after him. Now, if they had just sent word and said, hey, you need to just make your way to the king, I got a feeling that old Mephibosheth would have known what was coming. Here, at least he would have suspected that his days was numbered. And that he had been found out. But I want you to know that King David sent somebody to get him. I'm so glad that there was a day in my life and that an undeserving cripple, that the king of glory sent somebody for me. He wanted to show kindness to me. Now, as I thought about that, boy, I wanted to bring this in. I'm going to be careful as I add this for your thoughts. But I got to thinking about my parents, and I got to thinking about my grandparents, and I got thinking about their parents, and I got to wondering, I wonder if part of what happened that night I got saved was him showing kindness and having remembered for their sake my poor soul. I don't doubt that a bit. I don't doubt a bit that I had grandparents that prayed for my soul. Oh, the kindness of God that came to me. Amen. I couldn't get to him. I'm a cripple as pertains to God spiritually. I'm unable to move toward God. I had nothing, no right to God. And yet by the kindness of God, he sent for me. He came for me. That night the Holy Spirit came to me. I didn't come to him. He brought to me the opportunity to be saved. He brought to me the conviction of my own condition. He brought to me the awareness of my sin. And he brought to me the power of God to save. He came to me. That was so kind of God to do. Amen. Think about it. How many of us tonight can actually fathom a way to get to God on your own? How in the world would you get to God tonight? If you even realized you was lost, how would you get to him? If he didn't come to you, you'd never get to God today. Oh, the kindness of God that was exhibited. 
when he sent down his Holy Spirit and touched the heart of a nine-year-old boy that didn't deserve anything but death and the flames of that pit. I want you to know today that the kindness of God is still being extended to men and women as he visits them in the power of conviction and his Holy Spirit. Listen to me today. If you don't mind the Spirit of God, you're going to miss heaven. All the while, the kindness of God being shown to you. It's the kindness of God that lets you live another day. It's the kindness of God that lets you assemble in his house. It's the kindness of God that's bringing you his word. It's the kindness of God that opens up your heart to salvation. You say, preacher, I've never heard something like this. Listen to me today. God loves you. God loves you. And He's be- he- not a thing he's ever offered to us have we deserved. But it's the kindness of God. Number one, he fetched him. Bible said he sent down there and he, he got old Mephibosheth. I believe he put him in one of his own chariots. He had servants to attend to him. Took care of everything he needed. And brought him all the way back from that little place, Lodabar, that unknown place. That insignificant, obscure, dirty little town that had no, had, had no knowing even unto the people of Israel. And yet here we find that, that, that the king sent all the way down into there to get him. Paid for it all. Did everything necessary. Oh, the kindness of God to have fetched me out of that wretched place. To brought me up out of Lodabar, that awful place, that place of obscurity and meaningless, that place where people live that is sinful, that place they are bound in, the place, the prison that keeps them from God, the kindness of the Almighty that he would come to me. <laughs> oh, bless his, bless his holy name. He came to me. For, anybody got came for? Anybody in here been fetched before? Oh, bless his name. He fetched me out of sin one day. Amen. Oh, the kindness of God that was shown me. In that he came and he fetched me out of sin. Verse number six, the Bible said they brought this young man unto David and put him before him. And I want you to look at. What the Bible says in verse number 6 says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. Right? You, you see what's going on here? This young man recognized that his life was in the balance. He had no idea what was up with David. Right? He didn't understand that what David truly was trying to do was to show him grace and kindness. Right? He'd never seen that before. He'd never witnessed that before. I want you to know there's some of you sitting here right now. You've never experienced the grace of God, but it's all around you. It is all around you right now. It is helping you. The kindness of God is keeping your heart beating, keeping your lungs filling with air, keeping everything else that could take you out of this world while your simple heart and conscience gets touched by his Holy Spirit. And you recognize that he wants you to be his own today. Oh, the kindness of God that's being sent out. And yet people turn a deaf ear to it every day. Every Sunday, men and women walk out of the presence of God having been touched and drawn and fetched. But they never get into the presence of the king. Here this man brought into the presence of David and he just falls on his face. They lay him down there and on his knees maybe he just bows his head to the floor and doesn't say a word. David asked him a question. He said, art thou Mephibosheth? He said, thy servant is he. 
Oh, the kindness of God to call me by name. The kindness of God to come to me. I reckon I was only one saved that night, best I recollect. I was only one he called by name that night. Oh, to God that he would know my name. The king of glory, the creator of all things. The creator of mankind, the creator of everything you see, both small and great, invisible and visible. He is the Lord God, almighty, sovereign over it all, and yet he knows my name. Glory to God for his kindness. He knows my name. Oh, David said, are are you Mephibosheth? He said, that's me. I want you to know that that was the one thing that got me, I reckon, when the Lord came to me. Brother, he knew my name. He was coming when the Lord Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, you come forth. I'm glad he knows my name. You say, why in the world would the king of all creation know my name? I live in obscurity. I have nothing to offer God. I'm a broke down cripple, and I have no spiritual right to anything and yet here he is this morning maybe calling your name i don't i don't know everybody's name in the building most of them but i can tell you right now when he calls your name you're going to know who's talking to you Amen. There wasn't no doubt in my mind that Mephibosheth knew who he was before. The Bible said he did reverence, and I'd encourage you to do the same thing this morning. You hear me? When you hear the voice of God, when you hear him calling your name, amen, it won't be with the ear that you hear it, but it'll be just as loud. I promise you that. When you hear the voice of God speaking your name, brother, you're going to know that he is speaking. You're going to know that it's him. And brother, if you'll do reverence in your heart, He'll show you kindness this morning. Oh, how kind of God to fetch me out of that wretched place and then to call my name. Oh, what a glorious truth we find here. A picture of Christ and his grace toward mankind. Verse number 7, look with me. The Bible said in verse number 7, he did several things. Number one, he comforted this young man. And David said unto him, fear not. Fear not, I want you to know today that the Lord's not come to make you afraid. But I found that when I first heard his voice, it made me very afraid. I found that when I first felt the Holy Ghost of God for that first moment in in my lifetime, that I understood who it was that was talking to me. There was a reverence and there was a fear that, that gripped my soul. And may I say to you today, I'm grateful for that. I hope to God this morning you're terrified. If you're here this morning and you're lost and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I hope that you're terrified that you right now are shaking in your shoes, that you recognize that it is the king of glory and what we're referring to is life and death, that that what hangs in the balances is your eternal fate forevermore. Oh, that people would recognize how important it is to heed the king's call. Is your name Mephibosheth? Yeah, he said, it's me. And the next thing he said was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
Listen to me today. Though your heart trembles at the presence of the Holy Spirit as you realize for the first time in your life that you need to be born again, that you're here this morning by divine providence, that you are lost without hope, your blood of Christ never been applied to your life, you're hearing some of these things for the first time in your life. But I want to say to you this morning that God has come to show kindness unto you. Don't refuse the king's call. He wants to help you this morning. He has fetched you out of that place. He has brought you into this place. He has presented unto you his love and his mercy. And brother, he wants you to know you've nothing to fear. Don't be afraid, he said. The Bible said also in verse number 7 that he did more than comfort Mephibosheth. The Bible said he restored to him his inheritance. Now here's where I differ just a little bit from Mephibosheth. And let me be clear, there ain't a person in this room different from me. Now, Mephibosheth actually had an inheritance at some point. But as I see myself in this particular picture, I did not. I want you to know that when he found me, I had no right to an earthly heir. I had nothing that I could offer. As a matter of fact, spiritually speaking, I was broke to the point. I was impoverished and destitute. I had no spirit. I had no right to the spirit. I had no right to a home in heaven. Had no promise of a home in heaven. And yet when he came to me, he said to me, I'm going to give you an inheritance. And bless God, may I say today that even though I don't understand the fullness of it, and it'll be heaven before I realize most of it, I want you to know that He gave me an inheritance that day. What was stripped from Adam in the Garden of Eden was restored unto mankind to whosoever would believe the day that Jesus rose from the dead. He made a way that your inheritance might be restored. If Adam's inheritance was the earth, if Adam's rule and reign was what God had created and he put Adam and Eve over that as the tenders, those that would superintend his creation, may I say to you today, the same thing's been restored to us as our inheritance as the children of Adam, the sons of Abraham by faith. We've been given an inheritance, you see. Oh, I think about it often. I don't know about you, but I think about those things that I've inherited. It sounds kind of selfish to me, preacher. No, it's more in all. <laughs> right? It's kind of like if you've worked for a company for a long time and you've been faithful to a, some kind of IRA or some kind of retirement program and you've been putting a little back every month and thinking to yourself, well, I'm just hoping that this will do something someday to keep me alive or my family. And then you get to that point where you finally take it out while you might be surprised. You might be surprised at how much it is or if things keep going as they are, how little it is. But I want you to know this, regardless of what you think your inheritance is, it's way better than that. It's way better than that. Oh, I'd like to preach on heaven for a little while, but I don't have time. But take me for this. You've got an inheritance, brother, that's better than you could have ever expected. And certainly more than we deserved. He said to Mephibosheth, he said, I'm going to restore all that were your fathers. You said, now, wait a minute. Here's this cripple, was likely an enemy to the state in most circumstances, and the king looks at him and says, everything that Saul owned, 
I'm going to give it all back to you. That's hard to fathom. You mean everything, not just the vineyards or not just this house or not just that house or not just that property or that property or these things or that thing. You mean you're going to give me, what about all this? He said, I'm going to give you everything that were your father's. That's pretty kind, ain't it? Anybody question the kindness of God at this point? It's pretty kind of God to care for you when, when spiritually speaking, you're just a cripple. Right, you're a nobody down in Lodabar and you have nothing to offer God, nothing to give God. And quite frankly, I'm no worth to God. And yet he showed up at my house one day and said, for your father's sake, I've come. And I'm going to fetch you back to him. He's got something for you. And then we find that he's bringing comfort as he says, fear not. And then says, I'm going to restore unto you everything that your father Saul owned. It's yours. Your inheritance, he said, it's still there. I'm going to give it all to you. Oh, the kindness of God as we see this. But not only did he restore his inheritance, the Bible said in verse number 7 also, let me read it. And he said, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Now, he would say it in a different way in verse number 11. He said, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. You know what David did for Mephibosheth? He made him his own. Oh, the kindness of God that day when he didn't just appoint me somewhere to serve. No, he made me one of his own children. Oh, that God would love you and I and extend to us such kindness as to pull us from that wretched, sinful place we were in. Enemies of God and enemies to his love. And yet he would show his love by fetching us, calling us by name, bringing us to comfort and and news of inheritance and all of these things. God was saying, I want to make you my son. We find in the Bible that In the Gospels, it would say that Christ came into the world, but they received him not. He came into his own, but they received him not. But as many as did receive him, the Bible said, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that would believe in his name. Have you believed today? Have you believed today? No, preacher, I still think this all a fairy tale. Well, you just hang on. The reason you still think this far-fetched, as I begin to, my mind wanders pretty often, and as I was thinking about Mephibosheth, I wondered, because here he was a young man. He wasn't five years old anymore. He was likely in his 20s. I thought, how many times did he lay on his bed at night, unable to get out of it, and think, about all that could have been if he hadn't have been orphaned and crippled. How many times had he wondered if there's anything better in life than what I've got? How many people today is wondering, does it not get better than this? You got to ask yourself when 12-year-olds are overdosing. You got to ask yourself a question. 
How bad can it really be? That by the time they become freshmen in high school, they're addicted to drugs and seeking some way of escape at 12. I wonder how many times that old Mephibosheth thought, it ain't worth living. It ain't worth living. I say to you today that the kindness of God has been extended to all. You say, preacher, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe it's not you this morning, but hear me. There's a day coming in your life when the Holy Spirit of God will come to fetch you. And the question is, is will you go? Will you go? Or will you stay right where you're at in your wretched, obscure condition in sin? Will you reject the king's offer? Oh, the kindness of God towards you, toward me. He said, Mephibosheth, he said, I'm going I'm to restore everything you've got. And on top of that, I'm going to make you as one of my own sons. How many know today that they're a child of God? Amen. You ever thought about your inheritance as being a child of God? I think it's Elon Musk that's the most wealthy man in the world today. I may be wrong with that. Huh? All right, you know, I can't comprehend those numbers, but $185 billion, and if I heard my wife right, she, she seems to be up on this kind of stuff. But she said, and he wants more children in the world, right, as opposed to so many other billionaires that want to eliminate the population. This guy wants more children in the world. And I thought, what would it be like to be the, the son or the grandson of Eli Musk or, or whatever his name is? Well, what would it be like, Paul, if your dad had $185 billion? I mean, good grief. If he had 185 children, you're still doing good. We can't comprehend that, can we? We, 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 we can't even follow that. But let, let me be clear. Let me be so clear. The day I accepted Christ, a billion won't touch it. A trillion ain't even close to what I got that day. If you realize one of these days that pavement will be gold to me as I walk through that city that has gates made of a solid pearl. You think money means anything to him? <laughs> and yet, son, he made us his own. Pardon me if I just like to serve him a while. If I don't want to do a little something for him. I, I, I know every one of us shake our heads in agreement, right? We've heard it and we know it, but we don't understand it. He said, you, Roger, are an heir to God, a joint heir with Christ. That make you a billionaire? No, way more than that, right? It's one of them heirs that, that you don't even have a number for, them kind of 
You say, how in the world, Ramon, did you get that? Well, he fetched me one day. Amen. Gave it to me. He fetched me out of my sin. In that ungodly, insignificant, obscure place called Lodabar, my sinful condition, he fetched me out of it one day and said, I'd like to show kindness to you. You say, how in the world? I tell you, Crystal, it was just grace. It's just grace. And so we find that amazing verse in Scripture that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Now, let me be clear. He was priceless. There's no value you can put to the life of Jesus Christ. There is no monetary figure that you can attach to what took place at Calvary. Nothing. For God so loved the world that he gave. You want to talk about the kindness of God, Paul? Try soaking that one up. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, any whosoever's in here, that whosoever will believe on his name shall be saved, shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Let's talk about the kindness of God this morning. He said to Mephibosheth, He said, you're not going to ever leave my sight. Not no more. He said, you're going to eat at my table. You ever eat a little at his table? I'm eating a little right now at his table. He said, every day. He said, you're going to eat at my table. (laughs) Makes me want to shout. Oh, the kindness. David said, I want to show the kindness of God to somebody. I want somebody else to know how good he's been to me. Ah, so now we see that what has been done to one should be reciprocated to another. Now we see the commission of Christ coming into play as we recognize that the kindness of God is not something simply to be received, but it is to be given. Because likely you've got people you know, you love, you care for, and they also are still stuck as a cripple in Lodabar. Oh, that we might with boldness, Matt, walk into their house and say, I'd like to show you the kindness of God. I'd like to in some way be Christ in, the, in body somehow to show you Jesus. I want you to know the kindness that was displayed and given to me. I want you to know it today. I want to share it with you. I want you to be changed by this same thing. He said, you're going to eat at my table, son, from now on. He said, you'll be as my own son. You're not to go nowhere else. I'll take care of every need you have. Anybody can say today, that's him. That's my king. 
That's what, that's what he told me. That's what he does for me. He provides for me. He protects me. He does everything that I need. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad to be out of Lodabar. I can't hardly stand it. I'm so glad that I'm in the king's house. Because I'll tell you that the same as Mephibosheth, I'm still crippled. David couldn't fix his feet. And as long as you're in the flesh, you're still a cripple. You know what a cripple is? Dependent upon the mercy of another. You say, wait a minute, I thought you was an heir to the billions and trillions kind of stuff. I don't get none of that till I leave this cripple state. But it's mine. And I am absolutely content that while I am bound by this wretched body, I have hope. Because I live in the king's house. I eat the king's food. I am protected by the king's forces. I am the king's own son. And the king who cannot lie promised me all that. So just excuse me as I hang around the house. You see where we're going? I believe I'll just hang around the king's house. He said, you'll be right here. With me. I'm going to take care of everything. You are now my son. Ain't you glad not to be the devil's child no more? Ain't you glad you switched residences? Mephibosheth was overwhelmed by the kindness of God that was being shown to him by David the king. Overwhelmed. David said, oh, by the way, he said, I'm going to give you a little help. All these lands I just gave you back, they need tending to. All this stuff in your life that you now have, it's yours. It was Saul's. I'm making it yours. He said, by the way, I'm going to give you some help. He called Oziba back in there who had served King Saul, did the same thing for Saul. And the Bible said that Oziba, he had 15 sons and he had, and they had 20 more servants. He gave me a little help when he called me his own that day. And I'll tell you right now, it's way better than 36 servants of somebody else's. The Holy Spirit of God has been my constant companion from the moment I received Christ until now. And there's never been a time he's not been there. Never been a time he wasn't tending to all of those things around me, making right what I couldn't. Never been a time the Holy Spirit, the help that God, right? That's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going away. He said, but I'm going away on purpose. He said, when I go away, he said, I will send the comforter and he will lead you and he will guide you in all truth and righteousness. 
Oh, Mephibosheth, he had an earthly servant. And to be honest with you, you can read on Ziba, he wasn't much count. David would deal with Ziba later, but not the Holy Spirit. He's perfect. And has forever been our friend and our companion, our teacher and our God in this present world. Oh, the kindness of God that's been shown to me. Why wouldn't I share that with somebody else? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't the greatest compelling of my soul be to look in the eyes of another person who is also still in Lodabar and say, the king's coming for you. Just wait. He's coming to fetch you. If he ain't here now, just wait. He's coming. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what that means to me? There's a day coming. There's a day coming in your life when the Holy Spirit's going to come to fetch you. Will you go? Or will you stay? Come and get a soul. I want to live my life in such a way that uh, that when my grandchildren figure out that he's come to fetch them, that they'll jump on that train so fast. The devil won't know where they went. And the next thing you know, Paul, they'll be living in the king's house safe forevermore. That's what I want. And I don't want that just for mine. I want that for yours too. But you know what? They need to know. They need to know. We need to share the kindness of God that they might also know the king's coming. He's going to call. He's going to come wanting to fetch you to himself. And they need to know that that, beyond any other thing, is the most important decision they will ever make. Oh, the kindness of God that has been shared with me. There'll be a day I won't be a cripple no more. I'm going to lay this down. And I will then forever be free. Brand new body. Perfect. You may know right now that the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you. You may know right in this instant that he's come just for you. He's come to fetch you this morning. Will you come? Will you come to Christ? As we stand and sing, will you come to Christ?